Thank you, thank you, Max and the worship team. You guys are doing wonderful. Uh, let's just give them a big hand clap, friends. And... You know, for us, as I don't know about here, but in Africa, we sing with passion. When you sing, Christ is enough, enough for me, you know, you want to, he's enough. And, and some of the people who sing that he's enough for me, they haven't had food for two days. Some of them have to travel ten, tens of kilometers to get it to water. And some of them have to use camels and donkeys to bring water home. But they can stand and say, Christ is enough for me. Because they know it's not about the things that we have. It's about the God that has called us to be who we are today. Good morning, church. Uh, for those of us who are visiting today, my, my name is Fred Mugambi, and uh, I can see a few faces, probably. Just put up your hand if this is your first time to worship with us. Wow. Let's give them, let's give them a hand clap. The number of us. I met some of you yesterday during the wedding, and, uh, and thank Peter and uh, your family for wonderful work you've done to raise up young man, Nathaniel, he gave us something yesterday to smile about as we had their wedding here, Nathaniel and Jamie, and uh, everything was so lovely, it was so beautiful. We are so grateful today to have you guys in church and feel welcome. When you go back to Tazi, for some of you going back to Tazi and Melbourne and others, please send our greetings from Kerang. Say that Kerang is so hot. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, the first time I came to Kurang, uh, I thought I would not survive because it was so cold. <laughs> we just landed from Townsville, and uh, you're looking at 35 degrees humid. And I remember I landed in Karang, it's also freezing. And I, I thought, my goodness, I will not be able to survive. And uh, I spoke with this girl here, and we said, probably we just stay in Karang for two years. Two years, and then we disappear. It's been over five years now. We're still in Karang, so we thank God that uh, we are here. Uh, just before we look at the scripture today, um, just to highlight on uh, what Max was talking about, it's important for us to celebrate our commitments to Christ. And uh, we've been talking as elders and leaders, we like to have a time to celebrate down here. So if you've made that commitment, if you've given your life to Christ, if you've born again and you've never, never gone through the water baptism, we want to welcome you, we want to invite you to come and talk to us. We'll set up a date very soon and we want you to come and declare and celebrate. We want to celebrate with you. And I believe, as Mark said, this water will be warm at that time. <laughs> uh, if you brought your Bible, I'd like you to um, turn your Bible to the book of Acts. 
Acts chapter 10. Uh, we looked at this, um, I think at the, the beginning of this month, I spoke about, I spoke about thinking out of the box. Thinking out of the box. And I used this story of a man called Cornelius and Peter. And uh, it turned out some of us, not just you, but even me, I found myself are still in the box many times. And I challenge some of us, if you, if you think you're not, go and switch your bedroom or switch your, your sitting arrangement or just change things around in the house and you, you'll understand why somebody's still in the box at some point in your home. Or just move the TV from one corner to a different corner and see whether everybody will be happy at home. So we're still in those places. Uh, and, and Christ has been inviting us, move out and think out of this place. I want to talk to you. And, and Peter is one of those people that believed so much in that place that he believed salvation was only for the Jewish community. Salvation was only for the people of Israel. Salvation was only for the people that believed as Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac generation. The only people that actually belonged for salvation. And I was reading this story. I remembered one day I met a group, I won't mention here, they were doing door-to-door evangelism. And they were telling me that heaven is actually already full. Because in heaven, they're using a scripture in the book of Acts that only talks about 144,000 that have already filled heaven. So he told me, don't worry about heaven because it's already full. (laughs) <laughs> so what I'm saying is that God is inviting us to remove that and to start thinking about his mission, his vision. And that's why today I'll talk about vision. Because when you get out of that thinking, when you move out of that box, what is emerging out for you? What is coming out for you? What can you see? Because I, I believe in the box you can't see much. We're in the box. But when you come out of the box, you're able to see some images. And I was thinking about Peter. You've just woken out of your box, and you're looking up, and this image has been lowered down to you. And that's what we're discussing today about mission. So I'd like us to stand for a minute. I know you've been standing. Let's stand and, and, and read together this, uh, this portion of scripture. Acts chapter 9, I mean 10 verse from verse 9. The Bible says that about noon the following day, as, sorry? Oh yeah, we're reading together. <laughs> About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, 
Peter went on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven open and something like a large sheet being let down of earth by his foot. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Let's continue. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about this meaning of the vision, the man sent by Cornelius found out where was and stopped at the gate. They called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. So get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to them, I am the one you're looking for. Why have you come? Then men replied, We have come from Cornelius the centurion. He's a righteous man and a Jewish people. A holy angel told to ask to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the man into the house to be guest. The next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the believers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called them in his relatives, close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up, stand up, he said, I am only a man myself. Let us pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, loving God, Lord, thank you for your message this morning. We thank you for people like Peter that had to listen to your message and to your calling. And today, as we look at his story and the vision you gave him, Father, may you guide us and lead us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. You guys are great students. Wow. I felt like a teacher today. <laughs> All right. Um, like I said, I'd like us to talk about vision. And just in a simple language, someone told me that actual vision is a power to see. Vision is a power to see. And someone challenged me one day and asked, 
If the blind man says that I see, does it mean that they see? Or what do they mean? Because even the blind, when we talk to them, they say, I see. I see. But do they see? Or if they see, what do they see? So I want us to think about vision. Like I said, you've been praying, you've been walking, you've been thinking about so much. Like Peter. I don't know many of us would identify with Peter. Brought up under the book of Leviticus 11 about the clean and the unclean food can be shown this vision and think this must be God. I want you to think about that question today. You've been praying. You're serving a holy God. In the book of Leviticus chapter 11, God has clearly identified the clean and the unclean animals. He has told these people, don't even dare to test. You can read animals like pigs, donkeys, don't even think about them. Yes, they have the hooves, but those are not the animals. And I was imagining this morning, actually I was reading through this message, I was thinking about my own mother. My own mom, for religion, religious purposes, she could never, never taste pork, mutton, camel. Most of those animals, my mom would never taste them. And now she's been praying because my mom used to be a prayerful person. She's just walking up from prayer and you're lifting up pork in front of her in a vision and telling Mrs. Mugambi, can you eat? She can curse you. Stay away from, from me, devil. You're testing me. I don't know how many of us have thought about Try one day, you know, don't, don't try. Get a piece of pork and put it at a Muslim's front door if you want to get into trouble. If you want to get in trouble. Or you serve a Muslim pork and after you finish, you tell them by the way what you've just eaten was pork. I want you to internalize that in you. This is somebody who's been praying. God has been showing visions and being shown animals that you don't even think about. I'll be cursing the devil. I'll be speaking in tongues. I want to remind us today that not every vision that comes for us is what you're thinking. Because we have our own self-made images that we think are so holy. We have our own ideas that we've made that are so holy. We have our own versions, creativity, that we think are so holy 
that when God brings his purpose, when God brings his plan and vision and stuff, we feel like, no, that's not for me. Why am I saying this? I want you to put yourself in Peter's shoes. And look at what Peter is going through. And understand that life is not about us. Life is about God. That if we've committed ourselves, if we have submitted ourselves to God, we need to allow God to do his part. We need to allow God to do what he has invited us to do with him. But the challenge with us as Christians, we want to invite God to do what we think is the best for him. Before you jump into this message, I just want to look at what vision is with us together. I was looking at Google, and Google was telling me that their vision is the ability to think about, plan, or plan the future with imagination or wisdom. That is vision. Others were saying vision can be described as a picture of a preferred future. Others says vision is seeing tomorrow from today. Vision is seeing tomorrow from today. Vision is seeing the end from the beginning. There are many definitions, but they make a lot of sense. <laughs> Vision is seeing the ultimate purpose of God for your life or existence. Vision is a power to see tomorrow and into the future. In his book, I think I've mentioned before, Go to Great, Jim Collins says that good is the enemy of great. He goes ahead to say that few people attain great lives in large because, in large because it is just so easy to settle for a good life. Many of us, we don't like stress. We don't like stress. If things are working for you, you'd rather settle for things that are working for now. But I've said, it's not about us, it's about God. Things are working for you, but God is working for something else. And God is inviting you and I to see what he's doing, to partner with him, to be able to fulfill the mission that he's called us to do. I was remembering when I used to be in school, and I used to hate fractions. Fractions was one of the hardest things I, I never liked. Because I'm like, just let me get the answer. Why should I go through all this stuff to get down there? You know, you, you want to guess. And, and that's sometimes we do in life. You know, you, you, you want to be there tomorrow. And, and, and the generation we are living today is about today. It's not about tomorrow. We want things for today. You know, the other day, rat testing was not there. You had to wait for, for PCR test, I don't know for when. But the generation is like, I don't wait. Somebody came up with the rat 
kids, and they're making billions, you know, uh, because we want things today. And initially, they're saying, you know, you have to wait for 15 minutes. Some people are saying you don't have to wait for 15 minutes. Check. If it's one line, you're okay. Keep going. But what I'm saying is, you know, that's not how God works. God works differently. And we're going to see shortly here. I want us to focus on this story for a little bit. I want us to think about Peter, who looks at these animals and is wondering what is happening in his life. What does that mean to you and I as Christians, as a church, as a family? What does that mean to us when you think about the story that Peter is shared? The first thing I want you to carry today is that vision is driven by desire. Vision is driven by desire. Peter was praying. Peter had the desire to see change. Peter had the desire to see a better and preferable future for the kingdom of God. Peter had a desire to see something different. And as Peter had a desire, God brings him the vision. He says, I know, Peter, you have a desire, but however in your heart, these are animals that you don't want to associate with. The very people that I want you to talk to because of that desire, that the very people you don't even want to mix with. So on one hand, God is reminding Peter, yes, you have a desire to go out. You have a desire to serve me. You have a desire to serve my purpose. You have a desire to serve my mission. But however, look at this picture that is in front of you. So it's not about you. It's about God. And God is looking at us and saying, you know what? I know you can go very far. I know you have a desire, yes, but this is in front of you. You need to overcome this. So my message today, I want to encourage you, as you come up and, and you're seeing these images, you're seeing these dreams, you're seeing these challenges, talk to God about what you're seeing. Because sometimes when we get the hard challenges, when you see the hard things, we definitely, or we almost declare that this, is, this must from the devil. So this is a reminder for us that listen and see what God is doing. And for, for you and I to have a vision for our families, for me as a dad to have a vision for these guys and as parents to have a vision for them, we need to have a desire first to see them grow. We have a desire as a church. We need to have a desire for a church to see these empty seats filled up. If you don't have a desire, you don't have a vision. We need to have a desire to see when our community in Karam changed. You have to have a desire to see your people in your family give their lives to Christ and go to heaven. You have to have a desire to have a better marriage, a relationship, to have a better family, to have a better study, to have a better whatever you want to do. You have to have a desire. 
I was reading this and I was asking myself, when actually, this question here, sometimes I ask this question, when was the last time I attended a prayer conference? Not that prayer conference can transform your life like you know, you know, but just a desire to have a better prayer life. You made a commitment to pay, not just to go for a free one, to pay for a prayer conference. When was the last time you went for a parenting class to be a better parent? Not that parenting classes change people that much, but it can do something for your life. When was the last time you went for, what else? A leadership conference to be a better Christian. There's no desire. Probably. <laughs> but how can you get the vision if you don't have the desire to be a better man, to be a better lady, to be a better wife, to be a better husband, to be a, ped, a better church person, to be a better believer? When did you even buy a book to study for yourself, a desire to enrich your spiritual journey, to enrich your, your Bible, and even just get something that is a devotion to even help you to walk in your spiritual a desire to get somewhere? When was the last time you did that? My challenge for us as a church today, I pray that we can have a desire to see half of this place filled by younger people like these ones, filling up these benches, that us as parents, we can actually stand and watch from the screen outside. That's my desire as a parent. Peter had a desire to make a difference, to see change, and to see the gospel preached. He had a desire. Sorry for the typo error there. I meant to say people perish. People die for lack of vision. They are satisfied with where they are or the status quo. You'd rather keep the status quo, the status quo, because you don't, do, you don't get so much stress. I do, I do the same. Just keep it that way. But vision, he has to get you. Vision has to stretch you from there. Vision has to make you uncomfortable. Vision has to get you moving. You cannot have vision and stay at the same place. You cannot have vision and stay the same person. You cannot have vision and remain the same, even in your journey as a Christian. I want us to look at this scripture here from the book of Ezekiel. Because the second thing I wanted us to talk about is vision is driven by faith. I may have missed up there when I was changing the notes, but it's in my notes here that vision is driven by faith. Vision is driven by faith. If you don't have faith, there's no you can drive the vision. And this scripture here from Ezekiel really encouraged me. Ezekiel says that the hand of the Lord was on me and brought me out of the spirit, brought, me by the, brought, brought out by the spirit of, of the Lord and set me in the middle of a, of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them. And I saw a great 
many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, son of man, can these bones live? Ezekiel is one man that had a vision. He had a desire to see Israel change. Israel had gone into a lot of problems. Israel was suffering. Many people, many nations had given up on Israel. But this man, God walks him into this valley of dry bones and asks him, Ezekiel, can these bones live? This is faith. I don't know many of us when you're going through challenges. You can even dream, live alone vision, even dream that things will be better. You had a tough life. You had challenges. You've been sick. It's like a, a valley of dry bones. And, and somebody's telling me, you can dream, you know, you'll be, you can dream, you'll be okay. You can dream things will be better. How many of us will have that kind of thinking? I've seen people talk about Ukraine and saying this one is gone already. The people are so pessimistic in their prayer and their thinking. That's, instead of praying for Ukraine, they're saying it's gone. Russia has already finished that country. And these are Christians. But the people in Ukraine, they have a vision. They have a desire. They have faith. That even we remain, 10 of us will still fight on. We'll hold on and this war we're going to win. This war will emerge victorious because they know it doesn't belong to them. It belongs to God. These battles belong to God. They don't belong to us. And my prayer is that we'll move. We are going to move our eyes from focusing on the problems and focus to the person who gives the vision. Because when you switch from the vision and you focus on the problem, the vision disappears. The vision dies. The vision does not exist because when you're focusing on the problem. And God was inviting us through this story, to say as a church, we need to stop focusing on the challenges. Yes, there's been COVID. They have said there's going to be inflation. It's going to be prices are going up. Those are real problems. But God is the one who carries a vision for us. And to encourage us today. For some of us, your vision is gone and dead because you're going through dry bones. You cannot see the future when you focus on your condition. God is inviting you, dream again. Dream again. But for you to keep that faith, that vision, you need faith. And for faith, you have to know who is the provider of that faith for you. Focus on the one who is offering the picture and not the picture itself. Peter spent so much time asking himself because his focus at the beginning was on the picture. Why this animal's God? Why? No, I can't imagine. But I want to encourage us. Let's focus on the one that gives the picture. I want us to be like this lady, this Canaanite woman in Matthew chapter 15. This woman shocked me. She shocked me because 
if you look at what she's saying here, let me have the next one up. She goes to Jesus and asking for healing for a child. And Jesus is telling her, Jesus replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. For me, this is a visionary. This is somebody who did not focus on the problem. This is somebody who did not focus on the what was at hand at this particular time. The, the, the labels that were put on her being a Samaritan woman, the challenges that were put on her being a woman, she did not focus on the challenges. She did not focus on what was happening. She was focusing on the person, Jesus Christ. And she was saying, even if I just have the crumbs of this person, I have to encourage us, you know, it's not even the whole person. Sometimes I tell God, I don't need even the whole bread. Just, just the crumbs of that person, because you know who that person is. You don't need the whole bread. So as I finish today, as I finish today, I want us to pray and ask God, where are you with your vision? Where are you in your journey? Did you look at the animals and you went back? Did you move away from there and actually you focused on the giver of those animals, the giver of that vision? Because the giver of that vision is bigger than the challenges and what we can see. True vision about your life, business, ministry, career, education, marriage, and so on comes from the power that is working in, in your life and my life. That's the true vision. That if you know in your life the power of God is working in you, the things that you're thinking and planning, he is working in you to make them come true. I've learned that many times we're driven by money and other things in life. And sometimes because when, you, when we plan things, you're looking at your bank account. You're looking at your resources around you. It's important, yes. But that can easily move you away from what God wants us to do as a, as a church, as individuals. We tell people many times when we left Kenya, we never had money in the bank. She carried one suitcase because she came ahead of us, and the three of us carried three suitcases, one for myself and one for each of the boys. And we left everything behind, walked in the plane, and came to Australia. And we started life. It was not easy. It was hard. And... Uh, But we prayed, and we knew that God had given us a vision to come. God had given us a vision to come. So I want to encourage you that even when the challenges come, don't go walk back. Even when the challenges come, don't move back and say, no, maybe I made a mistake. I want you to move forward because you have a desire. I want you to move forward because you have faith to move on and do what you need to do as a Christian and as a person.
You've been praying for your family. You've been thinking about your family. Pray for them. Maybe it's career you want to change, but you've been scared. Maybe it's, a, it's, 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 it's something in your body or you, you've been praying for for a long time. And God gave you a vision that one day he deal with that. Continue praying. Continue talking to God. Don't give up. Because the true vision about your life, like I've said, comes from the power that lives within you. And if you believe that the power that lives within you is the power of God, I want to encourage you, continue praying. Continue doing what God has asked you to do. Jesus said that the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind and to see and to set the oppressed free. Just highlight there the recovery of sight. That's why Jesus came for you and I. Because we are living in darkness. We were living in the box. We are living in a place we could not see. But the spirit of God is upon Christ that has come to give us recovery of sight. So we have no excuse not to see the vision that God wants us to see. And to encourage us as a church, ask yourself, what is it that God is telling you to do for your family? What is that God is asking you to do for your ministry, for those of us who are leaders in the ministry, for those of us who are members of this church, what is it that God is asking us as a church to do, to be able to partake and to participate and to partner with him in the work that he's doing for his kingdom? I want to invite the worship team and I want us to stand up. Just stand up where you are this morning on your feet. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what your vision is today. I don't know what you're thinking about. But my prayer is that God will going to walk with you. God is going to help you because I want to pray with you and ask God to stand with you at this particular time. As I finish, he says that the vision gives us the ability to see the future and the destiny God has for us. That's according to Robert there. God told Abraham to lift up his eyes. He was told that as far as he could see, God has given the land to him. I want to tell you the same. As far as you can go, God is offering land for us. God is saying, go as far as you can go. Today, as we leave this place, I don't know where God is asking you to walk through. Abraham did the same. We can talk about Abraham in, in Australia, in Kenya, in everywhere, because he walked everywhere that God wanted him to go. So my prayer today that Walk, lift your eyes up to God and allow him to walk with you. Father, we thank you today. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for loving us. And Lord, as your word says that my people perish for lack of vision. We don't want to be those people, God. But we want to partner with you in this journey. And I pray today that as we leave this place, that our dreams, our vision in you, our desire will become alive because of the work that you are doing in our lives. There are many of us that have walked here feeling hopeless, 
feeling far away from you, God. I pray, God, that may you renew their desire, renew their vision, God. That those that are feeling sick in their body, they believe, God, that you are the healer, that you can bring that healing, God, and you promise to them you bring your healing. And today, Lord, I pray for that healing in the name of Jesus Christ, O God. That some of us financially, they're feeling down. They've given up on the dream and the vision they wanted to achieve, God. And I pray, God, because of you, you provide for us, O God. Lord, may you provide for us according to your riches in glory. So as we walk from this place, Father, I pray that you help us to be like Abraham. Who lifted up his eyes and responded your message. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.